Pastor beat me to the punch of my praise. Uh, I wanted to save it since I figure I get to have time up here in the pulpit. I could give my praise up here. Uh, But it was a true blessing to be able to be here this Sunday. Uh, We were talking about it on the phone, and uh, when we got talking about the meeting, he said, if your Sunday is free, come up. And it just so happened that it was free. Of course, I say just so happens, but the Lord plans these things together. And uh, it was truly a blessing to have the Lord work that. And it has been a true blessing to be here with you this uh, day and uh, to be able to get to meet you and fellowship with you and worship the Lord together with you. Uh, if you have your Bibles tonight, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. While you're turning there, a couple of fun facts about Germany. Uh, how many of you, it is your chore to take out the garbage? Okay, I see a couple of hands in there, one in the back there. Well, in Germany, you'd have to take out six different garbages. Because they have a very extensive recycling program. They have a trash can they use for food. They have a trash can they use for trash. They have one for plastic, one for glass, one for metals. Uh, there's another one I can't... Paper. Uh, and they just... They have recycling for everything imaginable. You have to sort it yourself. And if you put something in the wrong bin, they will come after you. And they will give you a fine for it. Uh, so they're very strict about that. Of course, Germany is uh, the country of the Autobahn. Uh, No speed limits on the Autobahn. You need to be able to go fast if you plan on driving there. Uh, I don't know this for certain. I have a picture to prove it. You know, they say picture proves things, but I still don't know this. But uh, one of my favorite pictures I have uh, when I was over in Germany is I have a picture of a speed limit. Now, they do have speed limits in Germany, uh, but it was a tank speed limit. Speed limit for how fast a tank could go. Uh, Now, I don't know. It was a picture. I I swear it looks like a tank. It's a tank, has a number mileage underneath of it. There's a car above it. Uh, To me, it's a speed limit for tanks. So, uh, Germany has speed limits for tanks. That's what I'm going with. Uh, They are a very beautiful country. Uh, It is law in Germany, Uh, at least it was when I was over there last, I believe it's still law, that uh, all of the roadways, they have to have trees planted along uh, the smaller roadways. And that goes back from a law that was passed by one of their uh, kings in, I want to say, the 1300s. I'm going from the top of my head here, so I'm not 100% sure of that. Uh, But it's just kind of kept on the books for a long period of time, and that's why Germany is a very beautiful and green country, because every time they build a road, they plant trees to go alongside it, because that law has never really been rescinded, and it's a good law, in my opinion, for a small country like that. They do very well with it. Uh, It is about the size, a little bit bigger than New Mexico, a little bit smaller than Montana, and has about 80 million people that all need Jesus in one way or another. Either they have him and they need more of him, or they don't have him yet and they need to know of him. So uh, we appreciate your prayers for us as we are getting uh, just starting out here on deputation. want to get over there quickly as we can to be able to tell the people in Germany about the Christ that loves them and died for them. Uh, but we do enjoy our ministry now of being able to go around to churches. Uh, I was talking with... Um, 
one of the brothers this morning, I don't remember who now, but uh, about how I enjoy the ability to uh, fellowship with churches and hear about the amazing things God is doing in their churches. Uh, and, you know, people will come and ask questions. Well, you know, there's such a great need in this country. There's such a great need in that country. There's such a great need in the United States. You know, why, why Germany? Well, the simple answer is because God said so. I mean, you go where God puts you to be. Uh, that's where he has called you to minister. That's what you got to do. For us, I feel that it is Germany. Uh, and I really feel the leading of the Lord to that country. Uh, but I love going to churches because we're not going to be in New York City. We're not going to be in Hagerstown. We're not going to be in uh, Indianapolis. That's where we were uh, last week. We're not going to be in those places. And I, we want churches to be there to preach the gospel to the people around them so we can have that ministry as well. We want to be your missionaries to Germany. We want to be the ones that go there and, and are an extension of this church to add fruit to your account, as Paul says. But we want you to be our church. We want to have fruit on our account to hear from what God is doing through you. And uh, it's always a joy to hear. You know, sometimes missionaries talk about being envious of one another, but the real reality of it is that we're all on the same team. We were with uh, Dr. Don White last week, who's been a missionary in Japan for uh, many, many years, has started, what was it, over 90 different churches in Japan? And we look at that ministry and you say, wow, Germany, most missionaries spend their whole life planting one church because of how hard the field is. And you look at that and you say, 90 churches, mm, wish I could be that, but... At the same time, that's 90 churches in Japan that are telling people the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can you be disappointed in that? You know, as a missionary, we love to hear that God's word is being preached, no matter where it is. And so that is our encouragement to see everything that's happening here. The uh, 80-some people that were here this morning who got to hear God's word. The 16 that were at, um, I'm going to give them the wrong name, Jeremy, is it? Who? Andrew? Andrew, that's it. Uh, that Andrew uh, had this morning. You know, that's encouraging to us to hear what God is doing. You say, well, 86, 16, there's such a big difference, but it's people coming to hear about God. And whether it's one or a thousand, God cares. And uh, it's such an encouragement and blessing for us to be here. That's kind of my praise uh, tonight. In 1 Corinthians, we have... Uh, a very interesting passage given to us by Paul that I kind of call the qualifications of a missionary. What is the qualifications of a missionary? Uh, you know, there's passages in the scripture that talk about the qualifications of a pastor, qualifications of a deacon. I think here in 1 Corinthians we have the qualifications of a missionary listed for us. I'm going to read one verse here uh, and then we are going to uh, pray here over this passage. Verse 17, it says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Let's have a word of prayer and ask God's blessing on his reading of his word tonight. Our Lord, as we come before you, Lord, grant us understanding of your word. Father, it is your word. 
we can look at it, we can read it, we can pick it apart, but, Father, we need the Spirit of God to tell us its meaning. Lord, we need the Spirit to reveal truth to us so that we can know what your Word has for us this evening. Father, I pray that you would bless me, not so that I can get any glory, but so that Christ can be magnified through the sermon tonight. Lord, let the people be blessed for the hearing, again, so that Christ can be glorified in their lives, so that they may be more like him when they leave through the doors tonight. Lord, bless your word. We know that you have valued it even above all your name. But Lord, once again, we pray that it would be blessed. And Lord, that it would affect our lives anew. Bless tonight, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. In verse 17, I think we kind of have a nutshell of what a missionary is. What the job of a missionary is. In verse 17, it says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, although baptism is important. I mean, we're Baptists. Let's not discount that. But that wasn't what Paul was sent to do. You know, if all it was was baptism, we could put out flyers and say, you know, hot summer day, come on in, get cooled off. Take them in the tank back here, baptize. I mean, if that was the goal wouldn't be terribly difficult to do. But that wasn't the goal. And Paul knew it. Paul says it wasn't for me to baptize. The reason he says that is the Corinthians church was having an argument. They were saying, well, I got saved by Paul. Aren't I special? Well, yeah, well I got saved by Apollos. Apollos is better than Paul is. Well, yeah, well, I got saved by Jesus Christ himself. Mm-hmm. And that was the petty squabbling that was going on between them. They were forming factions in their church of this group and that group. And Paul says, look, I didn't come to make Paul's disciples. I didn't come to baptize you in the name of Paul. What did he come to do? He says, I came to preach the gospel. That's really what the job of the missionary is, to preach the gospel. To tell people the word of God. I love the song, Be a Missionary Every Day. Because it's not about going to Africa or Asia. Although, yes, those countries need God. It's about going to the person on the street. It's about going to the person next door. It's the lady at the grocery store. It's the person behind the checkout counter. It's the mailman. It's whoever you come across. Be a missionary every day. Tell the world. That Jesus is the way. That is the job of a missionary. To tell people the gospel. Now, there's more to it than that. There's also, you know, training them up. You don't want to just get them saved and then leave them to their own devices. Jesus tells us to teach them all things whatsoever he has commanded. That's part of the job too. But Paul says to preach the gospel. Don't get distracted by the side things. Preach the gospel. He goes on and says, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He says, that's the job of a missionary. Preach the gospel. And then he goes on and gives the qualifications listed on here. If you skip down here uh, for sake of time, we're going to look beginning at verse number 26. It says, for ye see your calling, brethren. So the first qualification is you have to have the right calling. Well, what is the calling of Christ? Well, I think Pastor hit it pretty well this morning. Glorify God. 
That, that is the purpose of our life, to glorify God. Now, part of that glorifying God is, you know, I'm a missionary, so I'm focused in that direction, to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, Germany is part of the world. New York City is part of the world. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's the calling of God on our lives. Some people get up in a pulpit and do it. Some people work at an auto shop and do it. My pastor, when I was growing up, uh, he had a brother. His brother was a mechanic. He was a pastor. And his brother probably reached just about as many people for Christ in his auto shop as my pastor did. Because he had a captive audience. He's got their car. They can't really go anywhere. And while he's working on it, he gets an opportunity to tell them about Christ. He was very charismatic, very personable, showed an interest in people. Why did he have that influence? Because he saw his goal wasn't to fix cars. His goal was to tell people about Christ. And he used every avenue he could. And he says, if I'm going to be a mechanic, then I'm going to be a mechanic that tells people about Jesus. That was his calling. And there are a lot of Christians that sit back and say, well, I just, I want to know the will of God for my life. How many of you have ever heard the, that mystical term, the will of God? Super spiritual, the will of God. Now, it's not wrong to talk about the will of God. Don't misunderstand me. But it's not some high mystical term. You want to know what the will of God is? What God wants. What does God want? For you to glorify Christ and to preach the gospel to every creature. Yeah, but I, I want to know about the specific details. Well, do, do what he's told you to do. and Maybe then he'll start filling in the blanks. If you're living to glorify him and you're telling other people about Christ, he's going to let you know the missing details. But if you're not doing the things he's already told you to do, why would you expect him to tell you more? See, our calling has to be the right calling. Our lives have to be for the service of Christ if we want to be missionaries. If we want to be used of God as a missionary, we have to give our lives for the calling that he's called us to, to glorify the name of Christ. Whether by good deeds or uh, anything that might happen, the struggles that we have. There's a passage uh, in one of Paul's epistles, I don't remember where it is right now, where he says, if I can be used up by God and he gets the glory for it, Let me be used up. I am gladly used of you so that God can get the glory. That was Paul's position. That's where he said, God first, not Paul. And all the people fighting in the Corinthians church, you're of Paul, you're of Apollos, you're of Christ. Is God being glorified by that? And if not, then what's the the purpose? Our calling isn't to magnify ourselves. Our calling is to magnify Christ. And so if you want to be a missionary, you have to have the right calling. Secondly, you have to have the right character. Now here's where we start getting tricky. Take a look back at verse number 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world. 
and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, when God calls missionaries, he's not looking for the best and the brightest and the smartest. He's not looking for the guys that, you know, all straight A's, have the, you know, 4.0 diplomas, they work out seven times a week, 30 minutes every day. They just, you know, they've got that physique where, you know, when they stand, they automatically go into a pose. People clamor around them just to hear their words. They're funny every word they speak. People are just like, ha, 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 you're so funny. Those aren't the ones God really wants. You know the ones God wants? The ones who can't speak very well. The ones who aren't that smart. The ones who may not be that great looking. The ones who kind of really don't like being in front of people. Those are the ones he calls. Why? So that he gets the glory. Now, there are plenty of people who say, you know, I'd be, I teach people about Christ, I tell them the gospel, but I'm just not great. You're perfect. God can use you. But I don't know what to say. Fine. You're perfect. Not in the wisdom of man. You don't have to have a theological degree to teach people about Christ. Can you tell them what Christ did in your life? I mean, so many people have told us today that they were so blessed by my wife's testimony. I love hearing it every time I get a chance to. Why? Because it shows the power of God. Because it gives Him glory. And you know what? So does my testimony. So does your testimony. You know, I'm so thankful that God made it so simple that a dummy four-year-old boy like me can understand how to be saved. If I can understand it, so can anybody. And you know what? Your testimony has that power in it too. Why? Because Christ did a miracle by saving you. Don't ever forget that. Don't look at somebody like my wife's testimony and say, Oh, it's such a beautiful testimony. And and what is my testimony? You know, I got saved when I was four years old. I was in Sunday school and I got saved. I heard the gospel. You know, I didn't get saved out of any great wickedness. I didn't have this miraculous event. It's just a normal old testimony. Great. That's perfect. God can use it. Why? Because he's not looking for wisdom. He's not looking for cunningness of speech. As a matter of fact, he's looking for exactly the opposite. So that he can get all the glory. So that he can be magnified through our lives. So that when I win somebody to Christ, I can't say, yes, my eloquent speeching. Yes. That's what won them to the gospel. No. Nuh-uh. Christ. Christ won them to the gospel. Not me. What am I? I'm the worst that God could pick. But he picked me because I am the worst. Because the less of me, the more of him. I've got nothing to offer him. 
I'm not good at speaking. I don't like being in front of people. I'm nervous. I'm timid. Why would God send somebody like that to Germany? So he can get the glory. So people will look at him and say, that dummy can barely speak. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But there's power with him. Where does that come from? And I want them to see, like they saw of the apostles, that I had been with Jesus. And that by that testimony, they want to know more about my Savior. See, we have to have the right character. Now you say, well, I was that 4.0 person in college. Great, God can still use you. You're one of the not many. Because he says, not many of them. It means there's some. The point of it is that no matter who you are, no matter what your characteristics are, God can use you as a missionary. God can use you to reach anybody he wants. And there are people that will meet you'll never have a chance to meet. There are people that you will meet that I will never talk to or even know their name. But God wants them to be saved. We can tell them the gospel. Tell them what Christ did in your life. Let them know. You don't have to be mighty. You don't have to be wise. You don't have to be charismatic. You don't have to be noble. Let God be all of those things. You just be willing. And that's what God can use. So you have to have the right calling. You have to have the right character. Thirdly, you have to have the right Christ. Take a look down as he goes on in verse 30. He says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Continuing into chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You want to know the right message to people? To give to people? Give them Christ and Him crucified. So many times, uh, we have in our church right now, we're going through a soul-winning program seminar where on Saturday mornings before visitation, our pastor takes a half an hour or so and gives some people some encouragement about different methods to win people to Christ. You know, And one of the things he's been talking about is that you don't really need a method. You know, We think that when we go up and we knock on their doors, okay, if they bring up atheists, I've got this argument ready to go. They bring up uh, talking about uh, the, the religions of, of Muslim. I've got this argument. If they talk about the Jehovah's Witness, I've got this argument ready to go. And we think we need to have all of these arguments ready to go. And my, I love the, the story that our pastor told. He had all of his arguments. He was ready to go. He knocked on the doors and he said, uh, I forget exactly how it went, but uh, he, he started talking about church and uh, he mentioned Jesus. And he's like, who's Jesus? And our pastor just was like dumbfounded at the moment because he wasn't like ready for somebody to be interested. He had all of his arguments laid out. He had his plan ready. He had his program, his speech, what he was going to go into. 
And the guy came up and he's like, oh, yeah, I wanted to learn more about that. Uh, really? Why? Because we think we got to do it in our own wisdom. We think we have to come with cunningness of speech or the wisdom of men. Really, all we need is Christ and him crucified. It's not terribly difficult. Give him Christ and him crucified. Don't know what to say? Tell about Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said was my entire argument when I came to you. I didn't want to know anything else. I didn't want to have an argument for this. I didn't want to have an argument for that. I didn't want to have an argument for this. I wanted Christ and him crucified. Why? Because that's where the power is. That's going to be our fourth point here in just a second. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but because there's power in the name of Christ. There is no other name given under heaven, but that at the name of Christ, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And one day, every tongue, every nation, every language will bow their knee at Jesus' throne and say, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods. Some will do it very willingly. Others will do it because they have to. But there's power in His name. All we need is the name of Christ. Him crucified. That's it. You don't need to have a long, uh, readied program to be a missionary. You don't need to have uh, extensive training. You have the message of Christ. That's all we need. That's what changes lives. That's what's going to impact people. Christ. Nothing else. Does it begin to make sense now why God doesn't need many mighty or many wise? Because the message coming from a wise man and the message coming from a foolish man should be the same. Christ. Him crucified. Not of works of righteousness that I have done, but by His mercies He has saved us. Christ. It's all about Him. So why does God need somebody who's wise, somebody who's mighty, somebody who's noble? He doesn't. All He needs is somebody who's going to say, Christ died for your sins and He's willing to forgive you. Preach Christ, Him crucified. It worked for Paul. I think he did pretty well, don't you? And that's what Paul did. It's what Christ did too. When you look at the way that Christ ministered to people, he gave them himself. So much so that he went to the cross for them. He loved them that much. That he would go all the way to the cross for each and every individual. That's the message we have. That's the message we take with us. Don't ever be ashamed of it. Don't ever take that message with you and look at it and say, Oh, well, I don't know if they're going to want it. It's the greatest news they will ever hear in their life. Whether they choose to believe it or not, that's not our business. Remember, our calling isn't to save people. Our calling is to tell them the gospel. To glorify Christ. If they choose to accept Him, to God be the glory. If they choose to reject them, God will still get the glory. Because their knees will bow at His throne. 
But tell them Christ. Tell them about that throne they'll bow at one day. Tell them about a Savior who loves them. Tell them. Because it is the greatest news they will ever hear in their entire life. And it's the only thing that will do them any good. Preach them Christ. Him crucified. That's all we need. Lastly, you need the right calling. You need the right character. You need the right Christ. And I couldn't find a C1 for this one, so I'm not going to force it. You need the right power. Continue on in verse number 3. It says, When I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, when we go out to tell people about Christ... We might not be mighty. We might not be noble. We might not have elegant speech. We may not have the best of appearances. But we've got the power of the Holy Spirit behind us. We don't need anything else. You know, we think of all of the different people who are in the Bible. Look at the ones that God used. Fishermen. They weren't educated, but what did they have? the power of the Spirit behind them. You look at each and every individual that God chooses to use. David, a shepherd boy. And yet God uses him to do mighty things. Daniel, a kidnapped boy in a foreign kingdom. God uses him to turn kingdoms on their heads. Why? Because he had the power of God behind him. You look at any individual who ever made a difference. Go to some of our more modern missionaries. David Livingston. Adoniram Judson. What did they have? The power of God. Was David Livingston just such an admirable individual because he was so likable and smart and charming? I mean, he was a doctor. But that wasn't what made an impact. It was Christ. It was taking Christ to them and letting the results in His hands. Brothers, sisters, to be a missionary, you don't need a whole lot of qualifications. We already have everything we need. We have the power of Spirit in our lives. We have the message of Christ and Him crucified. We don't need cunning words. We don't need words of wisdom. I'm not saying don't be prepared. But all we have to do is go and tell. That's it. And Christ says, leave the results up to me. You plant, you water. I'll worry about the increase. Give Him Christ. Give Him Him crucified. See the power that it works in their lives because I guarantee you it will affect them. They cannot hear the name of Christ and be the same person afterwards. Oh, they may reject Him, but they're not the same person they were. They've gone further into rejection if that's the case. 
But you don't know that. You don't know if they might not begin to turn to him. You don't know the word that might do any good. There was a teacher in the Ukraine that told my wife, God is a fairy tale. But it's a fairy tale that God made the world. And that stuck in her mind. Don't tell me Christ doesn't have power. Don't tell me the Word of God can't change lives and do miracles. Don't tell me you can't do it. Because you don't have to be anything but willing to go. That's the qualification of a missionary. Will you tell people about Christ? If you say, I'll tell people about Christ, guess what? You're perfect. God can use you as a missionary. And whether you see hundreds of people saved, whether you see one or two, whether you don't see any, you know what? You give them Christ and you've done everything God's told you to do. Preach them Christ and Him crucified. Let God worry about the results. Have the right calling. Have the right character. Have the right Christ. And let Him have the rest because He's got the power to take care of anything else. Let's pray. Father, as we come before You tonight, Lord, I pray that, Lord, You would help us to reach people for Christ. Father, a lot of times we feel like we're inadequate. A lot of times we feel like we don't have the right words to say or the right impact that we'll make or we'll embarrass ourselves or we'll embarrass You. But Lord, all You want is for us to go. All You want is for us to tell. We don't have to worry about doing things right as long as we give them Christ and Him crucified. Lord, let that be our desire. That as we go into the worlds, we go into the workplace, we go to our families, we go to our friends, that we don't try to come with cunningness of words, but we come in the power of Your Holy Spirit to tell them Christ. And Lord, we pray that Christ would do a great work in the lives of the people that we come across. Lord, let us be missionaries today, tomorrow, the rest of this week, the rest of this month, the rest of this year, the rest of our lives, that we may glorify Christ through the people who hear that he died for them. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
That's right. 